Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to top athletes, coaches, influencers, and minds from around the world of strength sports. Presented by BarBend.com. Today on the Bar Bend Podcast, I'm talking to strongman athlete, coach, and content creator Kale Beck. Kale has been involved in Strongman for over a decade, and he became passionate about the sport at a time when there really wasn't a lot of coverage for it beyond the occasional World's Strongest Man broadcast, and there were practically no training resources available online. So through his website, startingstrongman.com, Kale has built a community for Strongman athletes and fans. He's also done a fantastic amount of work in increasing coverage and visibility for the sport, from the year's biggest events down to smaller qualifiers and competitions where, you know, aspiring competitors can get their feet wet. I'm excited to chat with Kale about Strongman's growth and how mainstream exposure has changed the game. We'll also touch on the future of the sport and where Kale's expanding his energy these days. And just a quick reminder, if you're enjoying the Barbend podcast, make sure to leave a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. This helps us stay on track in bringing you the best content possible week after week after week. And if there's someone you'd absolutely love to hear on a future Barbend podcast episode, let us know in your podcast review. I personally read each and every review, so your suggestions most definitely will be seen. So today I'm really excited to chat with Kale Beck. Kale, someone I've been lucky enough to chat with and, and work on some content with before. He's a strongman athlete and journalist who's really been on the forefront of bringing really good coverage to that sport over the past decade. So Kale, thanks so much for joining us today. In recording this, we're just a few weeks out from World's Strongest Man. Um, how are you feeling after uh, the trip down to Florida? I didn't go. <laughs> yeah, I I wasn't. I didn't go there. It's 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 the craziest thing and. Um, strongman journalism is I've went and, you know, I've traveled to the Arnold. I've done all this stuff. Uh, uh, it's easier to cover from home, honestly. Yeah. You, you go to the, you go to those venues, you're trying to post updates. No one's cell phone service works. Uh, I'm at the point now where people send me videos and let me know everything that's going on. Cause they're, they're cool. And, you know, I built a good community with starting strongman and everything and you know they kind of know that you're going to put it out and i have the voice and you know the platform that people are going to watch so you know it's uh, i'm also i would have went just to support my friend robert oberst but uh you know with a 14 month old baby and traveling across the country it ended up being you know 90 something degrees and storming half the time and 100 percent humidity and they're long days. It just didn't seem like how I wanted to spend the family vacation. Yeah, I understand. It's certainly easier to having covered um, the CrossFit Games, the World Weightlifting Championships yeah. a few times, both in person and remotely. It's a heck of a lot easier to do it remotely. You can get things up faster. It's always nice to have someone to have boots on the ground to send you that info. Sure. But as far as writing the recaps and putting up the content, um, uh, there's nothing quicker than just being at your office or your home office with a reliable Internet connection. Yeah, it's it's so weird, but I'm I'm glad that I did it well enough that, that you and other people's other people uh, thought I was there, even though I I said over and over I wasn't going to be. But yeah, I get that a lot, so I, I guess I did it okay then. So but I it's still, regardless of going, I'm still recovering from it. Like it's just it's a busy week. Let's let's take a step back. Um, you know, I know you primarily as a content creator 
for the sport of strongman sure. online, which is I think how how a lot of people know you, whether they've come across starting strongman.com or you on social media. How did you mm-hmm. get involved with the sport initially? And how did you add journalists to your role of responsibilities in addition to being an athlete years ago? You know, it's it's interesting. So, you know, I was always into lifting weights and stuff. And, you know, you, you start looking around online. This would be around, I think I started getting on like, you know, different forums around like 2005, six, you know, you get into powerlifting, you know, the good old T nation forums back then were pretty much all there was, uh, you know, pre-social media really. And just, uh, like strongman, I watched it and then I just saw someone post that they just competed at world's strongest man, uh, as a lightweight, which was at the time under 231 pounds. I didn't know that was a thing and being, you know, five foot seven and about 200 pounds, that seemed like something like, Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm a 20 year old kid and I think I can take on the world. I'm like, okay, I guess that's attainable. I know I'm not going to be six foot eight and, and whatever, but it seems like, you know, I could work towards that and just started searching and there really was not much back then. Um, as far as strongman, there's still amateur strongman with some weight classes. I found a show that had just happened in Santa Cruz, California, which is close to where, you know, I lived and grew up. And I just, I found some little rinky dink website that the promoter asked. I asked if he was going to have it again. He said it was his last year. I looked through the, they had like the list of athletes that competed. And I, I try to find like, uh, someone was close to me and there's a guy, another guy in Santa Cruz, everyone else was like all over the country. So I asked the promoter and like, you know, do you know anyone? I saw this guy, you know, lived in Santa Cruz and, you know, do you, uh, you know, have his email or phone number or something? So I gave him a call. It's my uh, now good friend, Evan Hansman. Uh, and I just sent him an email and he's like, yeah, you can come over, I guess. Are you strong? <laughs> so, <laughs> like, you know, that, that kinda, you really had to go out of your way to try to find this stuff back then. And, you know, we trained and it was, it was fun. And I, I showed up and it's in like a, there's all these redwood trees, you know, and then we were just outside, um, you know, in the mountains of Santa Cruz and this guy with a shaved head and this big beard, who's, you know, six foot six and 300 something pounds. It's like, you know, kind of looked at me funny. <laughs> Did, you didn't know if like he, you, you didn't know if you, you didn't know if he was going to train you or eat you. Yeah. I still don't when I hang out with them, but uh, yeah, and we just trained and we trained some axle clean and press, I think some tire flips and some stones. And my entire body was like black and blue the next day. Had you, had you trained with those implements before? No, I, I'd never, like back then, like there wasn't, you couldn't just go on like rogue or Titan or wherever or Amazon and get this stuff shipped to you. Like these, everything was handmade. Um, I think like Iron Mind was found and Elite uh, FTS might've sold a couple things, but all this stuff was, hand- I think we did farmer's walk stones. I, I just saw this stuff, but he had me do continental cleans. Um, cause I couldn't press the axle, like with just a plate on the side, just cause it was like a hundred and something pounds empty and, you know, weighed about as much as I did when you put a plate and they didn't have any smaller plates, like seriously. And he just had me do continental cleans for like 20 minutes where you, you pull it up to your stomach. And I remember my, my entire was just black and blue the next day. And <laughs> I just, and I showed up and trained with him the next week and I drive an hour and a half each way. Um, so, you know, and I compete over years and you get more involved and what I, I want to emphasize 
how, you know, hard, like strange of an experience it was. Cause I remember I'd talk to other people and they'd look at me, you know, being a, you know, under 200 pound guy and being, you know, you know, uh, less than average height. And they'd be like, you do strongman," And I, I just wanted, I'm like, yeah, there's weight classes. There's this, there's amateur shows. It's not just on ESPN. Like we just saw. Um, so, and that was a question I always got. And when I actually, you know, flash forward, you know, five, six years later, when I started to get, um, somewhat good at the sport for my weight class, cause they made a, a new weight class that was for, you know, lightweight was then 175 pounds and that suit more my body structure, my natural body structure. Um, you know, and I, I got a couple sponsors and, you know, I started to get a little bit of presence online and I just get the question over and over again. They're like, how do you start? Where do you go? Where do you go? And I'm like, and I hated my job is not something I wanted to do. And I, I just knew that there was some way I could transition and provide value in strongman. And I'm like, even, even if it was just, I got sponsors or whatever, I'm like, I just knew I like, this is pretty much the only chance I had to do anything, mm-hmm. you know, other than my work, I don't have a college degree. It's just, you know, that's a long story on everything, but I just knew I'm like, I need, I can make a career out of this. I don't know if this is an athlete or something. And, um, I mean, I started and half built like six, seven different websites with all kinds of different names, just the little angles that I thought would be, you know, work. Uh, and then I just, one day I'm like, well, everyone just asked me how you start. That seems to be the question. Why don't I just start providing these resources so and put it like answer It's the stuff I was saying all the time. Anyways, you know, the same questions over and over. So when, what year did starting strongman.com officially launch? Um, I started the, I, I registered the domain like 2013. And I think that's when I made the Facebook group, but I think I rebuilt the website like April of 2014, which is crazy. It's like five years now, but. Yeah. And when did that, when did that start to transition or incorporate? So starting strongman, great resources, by the way, we're definitely going to mm-hmm. in the show notes, encourage our readers to check it out. Um, a lot of really good information about how to get started in the sport, whether it's building your own equipment, starting training with a lot of these common strongman implements that you might not find in a regular gym. Mm-hmm. But something that starting strongman, I think is perhaps even better known for at this point, it's its strongman coverage. So when did you start incorporating event coverage and results into the website? Um, I kind of pretty much from the start because there used to be a great forum called maroondaymuscle.com. And I was a member of there for years. And unfortunately, Jesse Maroonde died. It was very tragic and, uh, you know, it was just awful. But, uh, you know, and then it kind of just, you know, forums died basically too. Unfortunately, I, I still think they're a better venue than social media for a lot of ways. And uh, so, you know, people, you know, people used to always post like what was the strongest man on there. That was the best place to get it. And then there wasn't really any other good place to get it. So people started putting it on, uh, you know, in the Facebook group, just up, we have like, you know, thread results pages. And so pretty much from the start, you know, like if there's a big show going on, people would talk about it and it was a discussion. So I just kind of start putting the results online because they weren't anywhere at that time, mm-hmm. you know, 2013, 14, 15, you know, uh, you know, now of course, you know, there's, it's on New York times publishes it because half doors in it and it's crazy, but I did it. I basically, I did everything I did is because no one was doing it or 
very few, or at least it wasn't in a concentrated way. Like a couple sites that cover powerlifting or stuff might throw up something if it happened, but I would put up every like pro show, even like nationals, amateur nationals results and stuff, just because, you know, sometimes that wouldn't even be easy on the federation. So yeah, so I just put it and then you, you realize like, you know, you have your biggest month as far as views and everything. So might as well keep doing it. And I really started doing it more, uh, where, you know, like uh, kind of last year, I, I kind of transferred doing a lot of that because uh, I did various podcasts, even starting from 2014, um, that where I'd cover the sport. And then when I had the, you know, my son was born last year, I, I just I kind of couldn't do long form interviews very easily scheduling with guests. So I just started talking to the camera and giving my own thoughts on it real quick. Cause you know, I could wake up and I have 10 minutes to say what happened. So I started doing that last year. And that's the first thing that people actually seem to care about on my YouTube and it started, it doubled since. So just keep doing that now. Now in those, especially the first few years you were reporting on strongman results, especially for something like the world's strongest man. Did you ever mm-hmm. get any pushback from the organizing bodies? Because, you know, it gets a little bit, uh, it gets a little bit tough to explain to people who might be new to following along with strongman. You know, why is there no live stream for world's strongest man? <laughs> Questions like that come up. I know that's something you've literally made memes about it because you get asked so often, but um, did the organizations ever reach out to you and say, Hey, we like what you're doing or we don't like what you're doing. Anything like that? Um, I don't think that they knew back then. Like they weren't barely on social media. Mm-hmm. Like they were doing a great job. Strongman's really changed in the past like three years. But before that, they really, I don't think they knew. And then uh, I, I've had, I've had, uh, you know, unofficially producers, big people, at, you know, the, all the different, you know, promoters and everyone's nice to me. I mean, like they, they'll give me, they'll tell me what they want to say publicly that mm-hmm. can't, you know, they don't, I think no one really cares. It's all promotion for them. I'm, I'm, I'm a free publicist basically. Now, when you say strongman's changed a lot over the last three years, you know, we launched our site about in 2016. So about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and since then, um, Hofthor's rise, through the sport, his win in 2018 brought a lot of mainstream coverage because here is this guy yeah. who was on Game of Thrones. He's suddenly winning World's Strongest Man. It increases mainstream interest and in coverage a lot. Um, yeah. Besides that, you know, how do you think the sport has grown, or do you think that's been the main catalyst of the sport's growth mainstream? Um, I think it's definitely a big one. Basically, Strongman finally became clickbait worthy. Mm-hmm. Is the way I see it. And that's kind of the, you know, you know, it is, we, we all do it. If you have a catchy, if I put the mountain as something, it's going to get way more views and way more instead of just using his real name, which it's just a proud thing. I still put half Thor Bjornsson. I don't put the mountain in my titles just because whatever, no, no fault that anyone that does, but I think that's part of it. But I think what really started it, um, cause half Thor was, he's kind of like an enigma for a while. He didn't put out, too much press, you know, too much stuff. He's just, you know, he's good on social media and stuff, but you know, even then he was just kind of, he's kind of, you know, in the shadows, just being strong. Um, but what really started it was Eddie Hall. Eddie Hall was not going to shut up about anything. Right. And, and that's why he's great. And, and because strongman's so big in, it was like a perfect storm because, you know, Colin Bryce, Darren Sadler, the, the promoters, 
of Giants Live, the qualifying tour for World Strongest Man. They've been building these arena shows in Europe and the UK uh, for the past few years, and they got someone that the public latched onto. And Strongman's shown a lot on normal television, which people actually still watch in the UK, I guess. Uh, so, you know, and it's shown primetime, like free TV, everyone in the country watches it, you know. Uh, so then they got a new, you know, English star who's got a great personality and he, he understands that it's a promotion and you have to build a certain, like, I've always told people, even myself, like as an athlete, like, Strongman has a weird thing where people are like, okay, I'm going to win this, then people are going to care. You have to build up the narrative to say that this is going to happen and have them follow around the the follow along with you for them to then care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like they have to be invested before it happens. They can't, they're not going to get invested after it happens. You can't come out and build up the press. Uh, so Eddie Hall started it. The Born Strong documentary was big. It went on Netflix. Like who knows how many million people saw that. Uh, you know, that they're doing, they're selling out stadiums. It's shown on free TV. They finally have like a, someone, you know, a, a British athlete wins again when it's, you know, the most popular over there. And then people are like, Oh, and Thor's just like, Eddie painted him so well as a vil- villain when Thor is not a villain. Like, I think he's a pretty, like everything I can tell he's a nice guy and he's pretty humble, but you know, he, he just, you know, you have to have a villain. And he's like, look, he's the mountain. He's six foot eight. He's 440 pounds. And Eddie Mick keeps saying he's shorter and smaller, even though he's six foot three and 440 pounds. Like, I, you I know. it's funny. Cause I've seen Eddie Hall variously listed at everywhere between five eleven and yeah. six, four. And, yeah. And I feel like, about six, six, two, six, three. Yeah. He's, he's a big guy. I mean, they're, they're all big guys. Guy. Yeah. Let's just be honest, you know, but, but there was this whole narrative around how he's, he's literally like, taking down the the true giants Not- yeah and he's and he he says over and over he, he's tr- he's basically almost killing himself to do it whether however that's true or not like that's gonna catch the casual person mm-hmm. then there's that, that document well before there's eddie strongman was the first documentary sorry i, for, I misspoke then born strong also came out which was kind of because eddie's such a you know he steals the show and says the right things it's kind of eddie too even though it was ended up being Zadrunas winning. But I think those two documentaries were the big things because those went, they're both on Netflix. Um, and then of course, you know, Game of Thrones wrapping up, getting, you know, what, how many million people watching it every year, mm-hmm. last couple, you know, every, every ep- with Thor. And then, uh, you know, in the past year, like uh, Strongman's kind of taken over YouTube. They finally figured out that they can put out their own content um, and you know, Brian Shaw has what, like 800,000 subscribers or oh, something. Yeah. He's killing the game on there. Yeah. He's, you know, eating everything and kicked out of gyms and you know, he's making the content. So like, so then it, it brings up, it brings in the casual fan. And it's just, you know, they kind of all built on itself. It's, it's definitely different because like when I put out, I, I, I thought about this a lot. So like when I was putting stuff out, um, just a couple of years ago, everyone that comments on stuff where, you know, they're, they're all people that kind of compete at some level mm-hmm. or have, or, you know, they've done an amateur show or a novice show. They have some personally yeah. vested interest in it. Yeah. And they've done, a, uh, they've lifted an Atlas stone or whatever. Now in the past like year, two years, I get comments and I'm like, Oh, this person's this, casual fans are great, but Oh, this person's never lifted an Atlas stone. You can just, you just know, like, 
when they say the stone series at worlds is too light. And I think the last one was like 480 pounds. And I'm like, have you seen a 480 pound stone next to you? Like it's above my waist. Like I can't even physically get in a position to lift it. Like the guys are just so strong. They make it look like they just don't, you know, there's just, it's just, it's just, it's sports talk anywhere, but we've just been niche enough, but you know, I think there's always been casual fans, but now they're, you know, kind of connected and they follow the sport more than just watching it on Christmas when it's on TV. When I was growing up, the uh, world's strongest man was what you, it it was always on TV during the daytime. So if you're ever homesick from school or like Mm -hmm. during the summer, you'd always see the metrics world's strongest man. And that was around the time that was like, you know, Marius was competing. Derek Poundstone was like the American, you know, the American with a shot. Um, There were a few other, I'm missing a few other names that were like yeah. heavily promoted as American competitors um, mm-hmm. in that. And then it just seemed to kind of disappear in the late, you know, 2009. I think it, it just wasn't in my consciousness at all when I was getting interested sure. in strength training. And it seems to have, you know, yeah, bounced it, back. It went, it went off ESPN, you know, and it, I think around 2010 ish, um, it was no longer on ESPN, ESPN two. And I mean, you're a guy, I'm a guy. If you're, before DVR and on-demand television, if you're looking around, you check ESPN and you'll give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Then it went on, you know, CBS Sports, and I don't think they replayed it as much. And show me where CBS Sports is on your television. I don't know. The only place I've ever seen that has it is at gra- like grandparents' houses. You know, if you're ever like at like your in-laws or something, they have it. They don't know they have it, but it's on because they just got <laughs> the biggest package and they don't even know they're paying for it. It's the only place that exists. I don't think you can get it unless you're 65 or older. <laughs> you have to you have to have the AARP card to qualify yeah. for the channel. And then then you you get CBS Sports for free. And then when your uh, in laws come over, they can finally watch World's Strongest Man, even though it's their job to cover it. <laughs> there's there's one other thing that I think around 2016 helped, and I think you you mentioned this perfect perfect storm of Eddie Hall becoming a personality even before Hawthorne kind of became mm-hmm. the face of Strongman. And that was his 500 kilogram deadlift. And I remember we wrote an article oh, yeah. on it for Barbed. It was, you know, very early on in our life cycle. And we put up an article about it. And I woke up the next morning and our traffic was just unlike anything I'd seen. And we were a new website. And I realized that all these other outlets, all these mainstream outlets were linking to us. Um, you know, it was some some really, really big mainstream news channels that were driving traffic to us because no one else had written on it. And while I think... My personal opinion is while that was such an impressive feat and did a lot for the sport of strongman, anecdotally, it seemed to really piss off a lot of power lifters because <laughs> yeah. you have a lot of power lifters who think it asks the question, well, if power lifters specialize in the deadlift, why hasn't any power lifter lifted 500 kilograms? Obviously, the general public not being aware of the differences in the standards and of the lift sure. that was allowed. Yeah, the 500 kilogram deadlift was huge. But again, you know, Eddie Hall hyped that up for a year or two before he did it. It's all about the hype. Every If there's going to be a big worldwide event and it happens, it has to be promoted beforehand. And he's one of the few strongmen that, I mean, he had a publicist. You know, he did this. He did a great job. He, you know, he said, again, I'll, I'll you know, it might kill me, but I'm going to do it. And it was, it's such an, abs- I wrote an article um for a different outlet back then um, that was, you know, I, I would write articles for about it just, and I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, this is crazy. It's just more hoopla, more hype, more promotion. Cause 
world records don't get broken by 30 something kilograms, you know, 60, 70 pounds. That's just, especially ones that have been recently set. Like he said it that year. And when he told that, he said, Oh, in three months, I'm going to, you know, even though I just broke my own world record in three months, I'm going to do like, you know, another 70 pounds. That just doesn't, you know, you, you follow any sport, nothing gets broken like that. Nothing gets obliterated. So it's just, and now people expect that as the weird thing. They're like, oh, you only broke it by a kilo. Okay. Like, well, that's, that's, how, do 600. that's how it worked for a hundred years prior to Eddie Hall pulling <laughs> 500 kilograms. I know. <laughs> yeah. But so he, there's just so much hype. And yeah, the first time I reported on it, I'm like, this is impossible. Just, just he's just, he's, he's loud mouth. It's just not going to happen. And then, like you just start, like you watch every video, you see little train clips that are selected. And I'm like, man, he's looking I strong. Then, then I'm, I, then he's going to do it. I think, you know, and I wrote a preview for, uh, it was flow elite.com uh, back when they covered strongman a lot. And I'm like, yeah, I think it's possible. I broke down every person that's going there and I'm like, I think Eddie Hall's going to do it. Um, I wrote articles just uh, talking about how insane it, it, it was uh, and that's still available. And yeah, and that, that gets, it's just, it's the biggest thing I ever picked up by someone. So that just transcended any, you know, all sports everywhere. So I think that was probably even bigger as far as building the sport than him winning world's strongest man later. I, I think it was. And the, the thing that I thought was so interesting is the competition. They actually were changing the rules of the competition leading up to that world deadlift championships based on like what he was saying because suddenly a few weeks out from it they announced the bar was going to go from like 462 or 463 whatever the record was then straight to to 500 and brian shaw this was in brian shaw's earlier youtube days when he announced Mm -hmm. you know he had a lot going on his i believe his wife was pregnant he was like prepping for world's strongest man that year you know going trying to go for another title and he said he wasn't going to do the world deadlift championship but in that video he said you know, he's like, believe me, I would know. And there's no way anyone's going to jump from 463 to 500. And I, I took his word for it. I was like, well, you know, mm-hmm. if anyone's going to know, it's Brian Shaw. I, I, I He's not playing into the hype. Like, let's see. And they literally structured that competition so that, I mean, Eddie did it. But I think Hofthor attempted it. And also Benny attempted it, I think. It was uh, Jerry Pritchett and oh, that's Benny. Right. That's right. Yeah. Hathor's deadlifts improved a lot. It wasn't quite at that level back then. Uh, you know, he's made incredible static strength improvements in the last two, three years. Uh, but yeah, they, but yeah, that whole competition was set up for Eddie Hall to break the record. I mean, there was like a, he did it. There was, they acted like it was over. And it was, the thing is it was the start of Europe's strongest man, I think. So like, there's a whole other contest after it was the first event. Some people just did the deadlift, but there was, you know, like fireworks and, you know, the queen came out, you know, it was just, she did, you know, basically. <laughs> not, you know, not, like, not the, the queen wasn't literally there, but it almost like. You, she she to, might as well have. To, Amer- to American viewers, it felt like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was like a 20 minute celebration. And then they're like, oh yeah, uh, Jerry Pritchett, you still want to attempt it? And he tore his hamstring. So, and I, I interviewed him about that and I don't think he's too happy. He, you know, he thinks if he was fresh, he would have still hit it that day, but. And, and you, you, you know, he, he got it, he got it almost to his knees after a 20 minute wait. So Jerry Pritchett to me, I think just goes as far as great static strength athletes, 
his proficiency, especially in deadlifting, goes really unsung compared to a lot of these top guys, seeing what he's been he's, able to do. You know, he, he's, he's working class, old school, humble, you know, just put your head down and work kind of guy. He's, that's how every strongman was when I was getting into the sport. And it's kind of why, like, didn't quite gain like with the social, you know, they, none of them, like I remember talking to Instagram, like I was one of the first strongmen on Instagram, you know, posting anything like when it, you know, was still a place to post your filtered photos, you know, pre Facebook, you know, and I remember telling, you know, my friends, like I was, uh, I was at a contest with Robert Overst, you know, my, it was like, Hey, you gotta get on Instagram. You want to promote yourself. It's like, doing that crap and you know now he has like two hundred fifty thousand followers or something but yeah i mean robert oberst is definitely someone who's really leveraged social media and in, mm-hmm. into more of the mainstream i mean while as we're recording this um people are talking about the the launch of a, a new history channel show that features yeah. robert and eddie and brian shaw mm-hmm. so it, it's the best yeah and nick best it's interesting to see a lot of these athletes who may have been reluctant to, to leverage this, but it's, it's to leverage the power of social media, but it's almost a requirement now at this point. It's something sponsors expect. If, if, if you want to make a living doing any sort of niche, anything you need to be on social media. You know, if you, if you don't want to, you want to make money other than going to a job and clocking in, you know, anything, you know, personality or whatever base doesn't matter if you're an athlete entertainer, you know, fit tea ambassador whatever the hell it is you, you better be on social media if you're gonna make some money doing it but i remember you know in 2012 11 like there's it was pretty like i don't think even brian shaw like had an instagram or anything back then and like there's a point where you know like i had more followers than anyone at worlds other than like thor <laughs> well it was, it was proportionate to your mental strength <laughs> yeah. if not your physical sure. But, you know, and that, that's definitely not the case now, but, you know, there's just, they, people weren't utilizing it. And, you know, when Jerry, well, I was just point, you know, Jerry Pritchett's very, that old school approach and there's nothing wrong with that. He has a real job. You know, he still has plenty of sponsors, you know, he posts on social media, but, you know, he's definitely because of that may, maybe gets overlooked some at, by some points, but shouldn't, you know, he's, he's the a threat to win deadlift and, and pretty much any contest he enters. Kale, what do you think strongman or how do you think strongman will be, will change over the next few years? One thing we haven't touched too much on, you touched on it a little earlier was the introduction of new weight classes, um, strong women competitors and strong woman mm. competitions become much, much bigger in the United States over the last much four bigger. years. Uh, I, I see United States, but also, also in Europe. Um, you know, what do you think that, what changes are you maybe excited for or a little bit trepidatious on for the next few years? Um, I think it's, it's, so I'm excited that these people, you know, especially some of my friends and just people I've known personally, people I've seen, you know, some of these shows that they've got upset because they, they missed out on 1500 bucks of prize money five years ago. Now are getting, you know, huge opportunities and able to quit their jobs to do them just because, you know, that it's a viable thing. So that's awesome just to show how far it's come. Um, you know, these athletes work so hard and there's, it's just a hard sport. I don't like, you know, I watch a lot of baseball now with my son and, you know, someone tweaks their pinky gets hurt and they're out for 15 days and, you know, Thor's competing with half a foot for, you know, at worlds, like no other athletes do that. (laughs) 
Um, so to see them actually get rewarded and not have to still work a job and get some recognition for that is awesome. And I hope athletes, you know, you, you got to get, or, or they're getting good, you know, these opportunities don't come along. I think it's going to continue. What the trepidation is, is that Strongman is very old school still. And they need melding the in-between of like old school strength sports, very, very, you know, and the new style, you know, like, and then embracing social media and the, it's, there's a, there's a little tough thing. Like when you talk about like world's strongest man, not having a live stream, not, you know, it's being a uh, record to play later. Sporting event is very weird, even though it's been like that since 77 and it's been successful and has had millions and millions of viewers and been a viable commodity. What other TV show has been around since 1977? I mean, I mean, maybe like the nightly news. <laughs> that's that's right. just about it. So really world's strongest man is one of the, you know, longest running programs in the world. Probably, yeah. you know, I just, I just pulled that out of my head, but so you have to give them credit for that. But then the fans coming in, it's just, there's a weird disconnect and they're not really, so it's It's just kind of shaky. How do you transition that? Um, and then just, uh, so you know, like that people just don't get how it's done old school like that. And that's some of the, and there's some growing pains there. I also worry, um, cause strongman's had some golden years before there's, there's a time where when uh, world strongest man and IFSA split that athletes got like guaranteed contracts to only compete for one promotion. Like they were getting big money, not even not to show, not to prize money. Um, and then that went away and then it went, you know, when the, the recession hit in 2007, 2008, you know, the pri you know, sponsorships for very fringe activities are the first thing to go <laughs> for, for a big business. Right. So, you know, it's, if something like that happens again, maybe we just go all the way back. But I think now the athletes have social media themselves, they can leverage it. Um, the other thing I worry about is just, you know, all these other great athletes that maybe aren't you know, you know, world's strongest man size, you know, like the weight classes, like the women, um, they haven't got those type of opportunities, like where they're, they're shown on stuff. And I, I just, I don't know, like they're just as good of athletes as anyone. I just, I don't know if it's going to happen though. Like I used to think that would be how the sport grew because it makes it more accessible. And I think it has from a participation standpoint, but I just, I don't really know if it's viable to make it where it, it it transitions where the the business model is people signing up to compete at these shows versus a spectator mindset. Like um, some shows have transitioned with the heavyweight guys in the UK and other places that can sell out arenas and people pay. I just, I don't know um, if that had happened and that's unfortunate for, you know, all these, you know, great athletes, but there's, there's still to make, making them, um, you know, the, the ones that are smart get, you know, and know how to play it. Like Anthony Furman one, 105 kilogram world's strongest man. And he was on the Titan games and now he's got a bunch of sponsors from that and he's running with it. So I, I think, you know, the people that kind of get it will always get ahead if they have the talent and the, you know, personality to back it up. But yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a weird transition. And, and I, I think the, the main thing that a lot of these people will have, and I know I have is getting used to having casual sports fans, which can be, <laughs> they can be pretty brutal people. It's especially for a niche sport and especially for a yeah. sport like strongman where competitions aren't like a game of baseball is played mm -hmm. basically the same way 
every time. Yeah. But if the events are, you know, two two competitions might have completely different event sets. And they, mm-hmm. it can it can be a little intimidating for a first time viewer or a casual fan. Yeah, they they can't really get it, and uh, you know, and I I do my best to educate them on that. Um, <laughs> in my last video, I got a little mad just answering questions. It's just you know, so uh, you know, probably said some things I shouldn't have, but you know, so again, like I understand it's a struggle. I'm like looking at this, and there are people I've known, and I've seen like I've seen Martins Lisi's, you know, who just won World's Strongest Man. Um, since his, literally his first competition, he did, you know, he's in California, Southern California. So we go to shows. I won California strongest man as a under 200 pound competitor. And he got like mid pack as a heavyweight. And he was like 237 pounds back then, literally like a hundred pounds ago and long hair. He didn't look like any of the other strong men. And I've seen this guy progress the whole time. And then when, you know, people start, you know, we're such a tight knit community and family and everyone knows each other. It doesn't matter you know, if it's, you know, me or that, like you look and you're like, man, like then people are talking, it's like people are talking crap on your family and they're just sports fans. They're just saying, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a bum. It's, it happens in all sports, but you know, you personally know these people and you know, you know, like, you know, he won some money for some prize money for world's strongest man, but you know, most of these people live pretty simple, like to, to get there. They, a lot of time lose money going to these shows up until probably this past year, he probably has. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, people are saying he doesn't deserve it. Or like, you know, you're reading some comments. I'm not going to repeat them. And he's just like, really? You're going to try to discredit someone like that? I've seen this guy, you know, for five, six years. But again, you know, as like you say, you know, a journalist in the sport, it's your job to, you know, kind of try to educate people on that, not argue with <laughs> people that are unaware. It's it. There are trolls. There are trolls in every sport. And, uh, it's in a niche sport when something's just beginning to get a lot more coverage, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm used to reading every comment we get on strongman related articles. Yeah. I used to, I, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) But like if you're, you know, Stephen A. Smith on ESPN, you're not going to read every comment on an article you write or a video you're in. And it's, it's a little tough for, for me personally. And I'm sure for you to kind of get out of that mindset. And accept mm-hmm. that, you know, you're not going to recognize every name who's commenting on your videos or commenting on your mm-hmm. articles. No, and then that, that's impossible for it to grow to the point where it's actually viable for me to make videos and articles like that. I honestly don't make any money doing content creation for Strongman, not directly. Like maybe, you know, it helped me build up a business that, you know, your name recognition, advertising, and then people then buy books I've written or, you know, wrote or sign up for, you know, online coaching. But yeah, I make, I make my, I pay my bills by training athletes mm-hmm. by, you know, doing one-on-one online coaching. I, you know, I, I, all the other stuff pretty much, I mean, running a website's expensive. People don't really understand that there's server fees, there's domain registrations. There's, there's a lot. I mean, you, you know, but people don't know. They think, Oh, he just has a website and every cent that, you know, every time someone buys an, uh, an ebook off it, that even if it wasn't by another author, I'm like, ah, Kale must have made 27 bucks again. I'm like, eh, it's basically all that stuff, for the most part, covers the, co- the operating cost to create the content. And I still work for, the, you know, the money I actually get to spend, you know, to, to live you know, by articles. It is interesting, even as uh, even as outlets get bigger, as Barbens grown, 
you know, I, I, I feel like I have to explain to, well, I have the temptation to explain to you just oftentimes don't engage with these comments at that level. Like, no, we're a business. Like we have, we have costs. It is difficult to run. Like I, we have our writers, our editors, we have good days, we have bad days, but we're, we're here producing the content. And like it, it, you hope it gets monetized to a certain point, but it's like anything else. I mean, it, you have to be cognizant of your margins, how much you're spending. And look, mm-hmm. I'd love to send a team of editors and videographers and photographers to every event, to every oh, athlete's gym, you know, but you, you just can't at a certain point you have to pick your battles. No. Yeah. It's, it's not really sustainable. Um, yeah. So yeah, like I just, this world, I turned off, like I used to get, um, you know, emails every time, like I, someone to comment like my, on a YouTube video, you said, no, you have to shut that off. All those notifications off. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going crazy. It's distracting me from my real job. Like, so, you know, it, it, but that's, a, that's growth. It's, it's just, that's one of the, you know, struggles. And I think, you know, at the same, and then the, the athletes are going to have to deal with that too, because Strongman is such a great community and a happy family that I think it's even more ill prepared as other than other niche sports for, um, you know, fan criticism. It makes a lot of sense. And, and you would, you would know as both an athlete and, and someone really shepherding this community in many ways and coverage of it. So, um, I appreciate you, you sharing that. Well, before we wrap up, I do want to ask how can people follow along with you, uh, keep up to date with what you're doing. Um, if they're looking for online coaching, if they're looking to read more, and we've written several really fantastic in-depth guides and books. Uh, where can they find out more about you and uh, engage with you if they, uh, you know, are more interested in doing that? Yeah, happy. If, you, if anyone's interested in getting into the sport of strongman or you know just following along, um, you know, at Starting Strongman across social media, on um, you know Kale Beck or Starting Strongman on YouTube, StartingStrongman.com, and uh, we have an online store, eBooks, and my you know programs, coaching. I wrote a book called How to Train Strongmen in a Regular Gym. It's all at store.startingstrongmen.com. Fantastic. Um, Kale, really appreciate you taking the time. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. And uh, really, really looking forward to how Strongman continues to evolve over the next few years because uh, I feel like we're we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg here. Yeah, I feel like I'll actually uh, maybe be able to fly out to some of these shows. It might be more viable thing. It's, 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 it's great to see it's growing, you know, being in the sport for 10 years and, you know, five years as far as covering it and just me and my, basically my friends. And now, uh, more people are interested in it and I, I hope to continue to provide a little bit of value, uh, to those people that want to get into it. So it's a great, it's a great sport. I mean, I just want to add that the misconception that it's only for giants, anyone can pick up a keg, pair of farmers walk, a log, and it's, it's fun. You don't have to compete. Strongman's for everyone. 